How are you feeling? Pretty good? Those of you who are parents and you got your kids back in school, you're feeling great right now. And every one of us should be feeling great because we're here to meet God. And I'm just in awe of what God is doing through you, Woodland Church. It's been an amazing summer. Getting ready to kick off the fall next weekend and Chris is gonna be speaking with me. And we're gonna do uh, three messages as we first kick it off next weekend with the big kickoff of the series that's all about Soul Safari. It's this hunt for hope in a jungle of stress because, I mean, we live in a world of stress. But God wants to take that stress and turn it into strength. He wants to enrich your soul and bless your relationships. It'll make all the difference this fall. And so we're gonna kick it off next weekend and then Chris and I'll be doing two more in the series it's going to be an amazing fall, so don't miss it. Now, we're concluding today this little mini-series that we're calling Made for This because God has made you for something amazing. Don't miss it. When I got my first job as a pastor years ago, uh, right before I even got settled into the job, I got a call from a funeral director, and he asked me if I would preach a funeral service for a man. And I said, well, did he go to our church? And he said, well, no. To be honest, he was a 35-year-old drug dealer, and I just can't get anyone to preach his funeral. And well, I found out that there was gonna be a lot of teenagers at the funeral. Apparently, this guy was this huge supplier in the area, and all these kids had been buying drugs from him, so they were gonna come and pay their final respects to the man who'd provided such wonderful drugs. Like, I don't know, you know, it's like, it was kind of crazy, and, and I thought, you know what, I'll have a chance to really share Christ. So I said, okay, I'll do it. And when I got to the funeral home, the director said, well, there's only one song the family requested. Um, they want to play the song, The Circle of Life from The Lion King. And I thought, well, the theology in Circle of Life is not that great, but I guess if that's what the family wanted, I guess it's okay. He said, so they brought the whole soundtrack to The Lion King, and I'll just play it over the speakers. If you'll just read the obituary, then I will play the song, and then you do the message. I said, sounds great. So I read the obituary, and sure enough, the whole place was packed up with a lot of teenagers. And then I sat down, and the music started, but the guy had put on the wrong song. All of a sudden, can you feel the love tonight came on? And nobody was feeling it. And I was like, man, this is a surreal situation right here. I mean, what do you do after that? Can you feel the love tonight is an amazing romantic song. I love can you feel the love tonight. But that song was played at the wrong moment. That music wasn't made for that kind of moment. Have you ever been in one of those situations that made you feel so uncomfortable because someone said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing and it just didn't fit the moment? Ever been in one of those cringeworthy moments where someone said or did something that just didn't fit at all in that moment? Well, today we're talking about how you were made for the moment. I watched a movie about Winston Churchill recently, and of course, Winston Churchill was the prime minister of England who was the only leader in Europe that stood against Nazi aggression early on, and then he led all of England to fight back, and it turned the tide of World War II. And there were many times that he got depressed and get down on himself, and whenever he did, his wife would always tell him something like, Winston, you were made for this moment, and it would build him up. 
You were made for this moment. And of course he was. At that moment, he was the one that stood up, turned the tide of history. But when I thought about that statement, you were made for this moment, I thought, that's true of you. You were made for this moment. You were made for this moment in time because this is the moment that God placed you on this earth. So that means that God created you for this moment. He could have placed you on the earth 3,000 years ago. He could have placed you on the earth 100 years from now, but he chose to place you on this earth now in this moment in time. So you were made for this moment. So don't miss the moment because life is filled with a lot of little moments that if you don't take advantage of them, and seize those moments, you will miss your moment in time. I want you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter three because here we see that the writer tells us that life is all about timing. It's all about understanding the moment and doing the right thing in the moment. So would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church? And I wanna welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses. Everyone worshiping with us through our broadcast and online ministry around the world. I know thousands of you now are worshiping through our online campus. And, and I know that we have millions who watch us through our broadcast ministry all over the world. And all you guys here in the Woodlands. But we're one church. And I just want you to be aware of that. That we are one church. Unified on God's word. So just follow along with me. For everything there is a season a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. Let's pray together. Dear God, I know that you have made everything beautiful in its own time. But I know there's so many within the sound of my voice who are going through a time that looks really ugly, a time that feels really painful. And I pray that you would just open our eyes to see the beautiful work that you're doing. You could even take the ugliest moment and make something beautiful out of it. And then, Lord, I know that there's so many of us who are struggling with saying the right things at the right time, doing the right things at the right time, and and I know you're gonna to speak to our hearts and use this message to change our lives forever. I thank you, Lord, that you're here right now, that you're right there with everyone who's watching, everyone who's worshiping, and that you have a word from your word, a life-changing word, and we thank you for that. We expect you, Lord, to do miracles today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated, and I want you to underline the first sentence in that passage, for everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Success in life is all about timing. It's all about doing the right thing at the right time because you can do the right thing at the wrong time and it becomes the wrong thing. It's all about timing and 
the scripture here tells us that there's a time and a place for every activity under heaven. You just need to know what time it is. That's the question, what time is it? What does this moment call for? Because you can do something really good at the wrong time and it becomes really bad. For example, if I had asked Chris to marry me on our first date, that would have probably creeped her out. That was a really good thing that God wanted me to do, but not at that time. Uh, can you imagine? Some of you single adults are going, that happened to me. The guy came to my front door and I came out and he was kneeling. You know, and, uh, and I just shut the door and locked it. You know, I mean, that's, that's scary. You know, I mean, that, that's the right thing at the wrong time. You know, if I would have asked Chris to marry me on the first date, it probably creeped her out. And on the second date, it worked fine. But on the first, I don't know. No, several months down the road, it was the right time. And so you can do the right thing at the wrong time, and it becomes completely wrong. And so life, the scripture says here, is really all about timing. And so many times we say the wrong things. So many times we do the wrong things at the wrong time. And God wants us to really understand the times in which we live. He wants us to really seize the moment. And the only way you seize the moment is to do the three things that this passage tells us. If you're gonna really live in the moment all out, be fully alive in this moment that you were made for. This is the only moment you were made for. You weren't made for 100 years ago. You weren't made for 50 years from now. You were made for this moment. And if you can begin to grasp it, it'll change everything and change everyone around you. The first thing is you gotta see the moment. See the moment clearly. Before you can seize the moment, you gotta see the moment that you're in and really understand it. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, it talks about the tribes that were gathering around David even before he was king. I mean, king Saul had turned away from God and so he was jealous of David and he cast David out and David was on the run having to hide. It looked like David was going to be the loser that Saul was winning. But then all these tribes started coming to David even before he was king saying, hey, we support you. And one of them was mentioned in 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. Underlined, understand the times, understood the times. And then underline what Israel should do. Knew what Israel should do. And draw a line connecting the two. You see, they understood the times. God gave them wisdom to understand the moment that they were in. And that gave them the wisdom to know what they should do. And until you understand the times, until you understand and see the moment clearly, you won't know what to do in life. So that's my greatest prayer when I'm seeking direction is God help me really understand this moment. Give me the wisdom to understand the moment in which I'm in right now so that I can know what to do. So you give me the wisdom to make good decisions. I need to understand the moment to make good decisions. I want us to go through Ecclesiastes chapter three because this chapter really gives us God's guidance on these things. In verse two, it says, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest. Now, this is talking about knowing the difference between the beginning and the end of something. Knowing what time it is. Is it the end? Is it the beginning? 
Is it planting time? Is it harvesting time? Can you imagine a farmer going out to his land during the planting season and then planting all the seed in acres upon acres and then the next day coming back with all this harvesting equipment and then harvesting it up and all he would get would be dirt and seeds. And that's crazy. And yet that's exactly what we do a lot of times in life. We try to harvest when it's planting season and we ruin the harvest that God has for us down the road. Maybe you've betrayed your spouse's trust, but now you're telling the truth and you're planting truth. And you're wondering why you're not harvesting any of your spouse's trust. It's like I'm planting truth now, but I'm not harvesting any trust. They don't trust me any more than, than they used to. It's even worse. It's because it's planting season. You gotta keep planting truth and planting truth and planting truth and planting truth and you will harvest, but if you try to harvest that trust during the planting season, you're gonna mess it all up. You're gonna mess up the harvest that God has for you, but if you'll keep planting, you'll keep planting, you'll keep planting, you will harvest. You will harvest a heart of integrity and wholeness in your own life, and you'll probably harvest your spouse's trust back. But it's planting season, and you have gotta know the difference between planting and harvesting. Some of you have gone for the dream God has placed in your heart. You stepped out in faith, few months ago and you're not harvesting anything, you're not seeing any results and you're wondering why. It's because it's the planting season. You gotta keep planting and keep planting and sometimes God has to allow the dream to die so he can take all the selfishness and wrong motives out of it and give it back to you to be reborn. It's God's dream. You see, you have to know when you're in planting season. Some of you started tithing recently to put God first in your finances. He promises you'll have a harvest. that He'll give back more than you give. That's God's promise. It's not me saying that. That's God. But you've been doing it for a couple of weeks, and you're going, where's the harvest? And God says, it's planting season. You've got to plant. Now, sometimes you plant, and all of a sudden the harvest comes back right away, but that's not the way it usually works. There's got to be a little planting, and then the harvest comes. The overwhelming harvest comes, but God says, this is just the planting season. If you get the two mixed up, you're gonna mess it up. So you gotta know what season you're in. And then there are times in my life where God has this huge harvest waiting for me. But I have my head down and I'm just planting little seeds of selfishness, doing some little things that I want to do, doing my own little plan, planting with my own little plan and I'm not looking up to see this huge harvest that God has for me, and he's saying, why are you planting? It's harvest season. Get up off your blessed assurance and get out there and bring in the crops. And I'm just sitting there planting my own little selfish seeds, doing this little thing, trying to live the American dream and making sure that I have the white picket fence and everything's perfect in my life. And God says, forget the American dream, go for my dream. I've got the harvest right out here. I've got the harvest that's right out here. You gotta go get it. But sometimes I don't wanna take the risk and do the hard work that it takes to bring in the harvest. Did you know that the farmer will tell you that harvest is a lot harder than the planting season? Harvest is the hardest part. I mean, I'm not a farmer and I didn't grow up on a farm, so I don't know a lot about farming, but I've asked farmers and they will tell you Harvest season will wear you out. You gotta get out there and you gotta get the crops in. You can't wait. 
They're ready. They're ripe. You've got to take the harvest, and it's hard work. And some of you are just planting little selfish seeds because you're not willing to take the step of faith and risk. You're not even looking up to see there's this huge harvest that God wants you to get out and get the harvest and bring it in. It's harvest time, and you're still planting. So I've got to know the difference between planting season and harvest season. What time is it in your life? Only God can tell you with his wisdom. I've got to be asking God, what does the moment call for that I'm in? Well, let's keep going. Let's go through Ecclesiastes chapter three. Verse three says, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up. When a marriage is hurting and a family is hurting, many times they try to heal before they've killed off the destructive behaviors that have caused the hurt in the first place. And so they're rushing the healing process when they haven't killed off the selfishness, the bitterness, the lies, that are continuing to hurt the relationship. And so if you're trying to heal, but you're still hurting at the same time you're trying to heal, you're still doing the same things that you did that caused the wound in the first place, you're just gonna keep ripping the scab off the wound. You're gonna cause it to get infected because it is killing time. It's time to kill off those destructive behaviors, to really face them, to get honest about them, point them out and to deal with them with God's power, so that you can begin healing. Sometimes it's time to kill, rather than time to heal. And then sometimes it's time to heal, and you need to stop killing. For some of you today, God says, it's time for you to heal from that wound from your past. Because in your heart, you're still killing the person who hurt you deeply. And really, it's just killing you, so it's time for you to forgive. It's time for you to choose to forgive, not because you feel like it, not because they deserve it, but because you need it in your own life so you can feel the healing of God in your heart. You need to choose to forgive. Today is your healing day. God says today is a day of healing. I believe that with all my heart that God is gonna heal today. And for some of you, this is healing time. For others of you, it's time to say, there's some things that are really killing this relationship. There's some things that are just killing me. There's some destructive behaviors and sins in my life that are just destroying me. And I've got to deal with it. So which is it? I need to know what the moment requires from God. Well, look at verse four. It says there's a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Now notice the time to cry comes before the time to laugh and the time to grieve comes before the time to dance. That's because When you suffer loss, you've got to grieve that loss before you can let go of the loss. You've got to grieve it before you can get over it. And a lot of times we try to get over the hurt and the loss without grieving it. We try to dance before we grieve, and when you dance before you grieve, it's going to come out in a dance of depression or a dance of some really bad decisions. God gave us the gift of grief that when we lose something dear to us, when we make some terrible mistakes that have created so much loss in our lives and relationships that we've got to grieve it. It's a gift that God gives us to bring us to brokenness because when we're totally broken before God, then he can bless us. It's what God uses to heal us. And when a grief, a loss comes into your life that you didn't cause, you didn't create, you've got to grieve that loss. But a lot of times we stuff it down. And I see it all the time 
when you don't grieve a loss, it's gonna come out sideways in some way. And some of you are, are doing some things right now that are insane. You're making some terrible decisions right now and you can trace it back to 10 years ago when you didn't grieve. You didn't grieve the loss. You didn't properly grieve and it will come out because it's a real thing. And so God gave us the gift of grief to bring us to a place of brokenness so he can bring us to a place of blessedness. He doesn't want you to dance when it's time to grieve and really feel the full brunt and the pain of that loss so that you can come to a place of total surrender and peace. And then I know for some of you, it's time to dance because some of you right now are thinking you'll never dance again. You're thinking that the music of your life has died and it will never be rekindled. And I want you to know, you better get your dancing shoes on because God says, it's just about time for you to dance. It's always darkest just before dawn. And God says to you, it's going to be dawn and you're gonna be dancing when the sun comes up because dancing is just around the bend. You better get your dancing shoes on and get ready because I'm going to bring joy to your heart. God can take the deepest hurt of your life and turn it into a dance floor of joy and purpose. I just believe with all my heart, God's speaking to someone today saying, it's time to dance. It's time to celebrate. Whether you feel like it or not, it's time to dance. You're gonna dance again. I'm gonna turn your morning into dancing. So what is it? What time is it? Is it time to dance? Is it time to grieve? Well, I want us to look at the next verse. Verse five says, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away. Now, this is knowing when to be tough and when to be tender. What time should I be tough and what time should I be tender? As a leader, there are times I have to be really tough and times I have to be really tender and compassionate. And I've noticed that there's some times when I feel a little threatened as a leader in my insecurity that I act real tough. And it's like, I'm the leader. Does everybody see I'm the leader? I'm the leader. I'm the leader. If you have to tell people you're the leader, you're not the leader. You ever had someone in your life, maybe a boss, who's just always telling, I'm the boss. I'm the, don't forget I'm the boss. It's like, how can we? You know, We have to deal with you every day. You've caused me to pray more than I could have ever thought I needed to pray. I, I mean, Sometimes I get really tough, you know, I am the boss, you know, or I get angry and show that I'm the leader and, and it calls for just being tender, you know, just being confident and quiet. And then there are times that I'm tender, that, I, uh, that I, I'm the nice guy and I'm just really tender when it calls for me to be tough and to stand up and say, hey, we're not gonna do it that way. We're not gonna do that. I care too much about you to let you do it that way. I care too much about this organization to let you go down that path. We're not doing that. So I'm gonna correct you. But sometimes I'm just tender and I let it slide because it's just, I'm tired, don't feel like it. For those of you who are parents, can you relate to this? Every parent has to be tough and tender. The problem is, when I was raising my kids, a lot of times I would get angry and really frustrated and and you know, be tough, and you're not doing that anymore, we're not gonna do that, you know? When I really just needed to give them a hug and say, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. To really get in tune with what they were feeling instead of what I was feeling. And then there were times that I needed to be tough, but I just was tender, and it's like, ah, it's okay, don't worry. I'm watching a ball game right now, it's okay. You know, I, I don't care that you're in the pantry just eating the, 
all the Cheetos and all the stuff I stashed away for myself. I don't even care right now. You know, I don't care. Yeah, it's your fifth ice cream sandwich. That's great. To have a sixth, you know, it's like, you know, it's like instead of being tough and saying, I'm going to, I'm going to say these, this is a rule and I said it and I meant it and I, I'm going to make sure that you follow this rule because I care enough about you to do that. I love you. I need to be tough, but I'm just being tender. So I've got to know from God, when am I supposed to be tough? When am I supposed to be tender? I need God's wisdom. And now look at the next one in verse six. A time to search and a time to quit searching. A time to keep and a time to throw away. This is knowing when to hold on and when to let go. It's one of the hardest ones. Some of you are holding on so tightly to a relationship, you're crushing the life out of it, and God says, it's time for you to let go and give it to me and just trust me with it. Some of you are holding so tightly to a dream or to a goal, and God says, you need to stop holding on, trying to control it, and you need to let go and give it to me. It's time to let go. I know God is telling someone today, this is your time to let go, to let go of worry, to let go of fear, to let go of that relationship you're trying to control, to let go of that dream you're trying to control, to let go of that person you're trying to control and fix. It's time to let go. For some of you, God's saying, let go. But then I know there's someone here today where God is saying, you hold on. Don't you dare let go. You hold on to me with all your might. Don't let go because I'm getting ready to come through. The miracle is just around the corner and you're about to let go. You hold on with all your might. You don't give up. You never give up. You hold on and you hold on and you hold on. And when you can't hold on any longer, I will hold on to you. But this is your time to hold on. You hold on in prayer. You hold on to my promises. You hold on. It's not time to let go. You hold on to me with all your might. Don't let go of me just before the blessing. It's coming. Don't give up just before I come through. I'm coming through. Hold on. So what time is it in your life? Is it time to let go? Is it time to hold on? God will tell you. Well, let's look at the next one. Verse seven says, a time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be quiet and a time to speak. Now this is knowing when to stand up and be noticed and when to sit down and fit in and be a team player. You see, there are times that I stand up in insecurity and like, notice me, notice me. Notice me, and I stand up when God says, I just wanted you to sit down and be quiet and confident in who I've made you to be. You don't have to prove anything. Why are you trying to prove something? Why are you trying to prove your worth? Why are you trying to stand up? Why are you worried that you're gonna be forgotten? And then other times I sit down and just try to fit in when God says, it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to step out and meet that person's needs. It's time for you to stand up and to share Christ. This is an opportunity for you to share Christ with someone. They're hurting, can't you see it? And it's like, ah, I don't know, what will they think about me? And I sit down and just fit in. There's times that I need to stand up and stand for Jesus, even if I'm the only one standing. And there's times that I need to sit down and shut up and trust Jesus and not worry about what anyone thinks about me. Now let's look at the last one. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is knowing when to fight and when to surrender. You see, sometimes I'm fighting for control when God says, you need to surrender to my care and control. Sometimes 
I surrender to selfishness and sin and my flesh, when God says, you need to fight against that with my power. So you gotta know when to fight and when to surrender. And it all comes back to, I need to ask God for wisdom because if you do the right thing at the wrong time, it becomes a really wrong thing. So I need God's wisdom. God, I need you to show me what to do in this moment. Help me understand the time in which I'm in right now and then give me the power to do it. See the moment, then stay in the moment. I've gotta stay in the moment. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Underline that phrase, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Every moment is beautiful in its time. We just can't see it at the time. Some moments look really ugly. Some moments feel really painful, but God can take the ugliest moments and make something beautiful out of them. But we try to move ahead of the moments that we don't like. We try to move ahead of the moments that make us uncomfortable. And when we do that, we miss the beautiful thing that God is trying to do. You were made for this moment, but this moment is also making you into who God wants you to be. Don't forget that. You were made for this moment, but you gotta let the moment make you into what God has called you to be. And God will allow the painful things, the things that look ugly to us, to make us into something beautiful. But if we move ahead of God, we're gonna miss the blessing. We're gonna miss the moment. And we won't let the moment make us into what God's called us to be. And we won't be ready for our defining moment that God has called us to be ready for. We often miss the moment because we don't wanna stay in the painful moments. God doesn't operate on our timetable. God doesn't cooperate with our calendars. You need to understand that. A lot of times we look at it and go, God, we're waiting on you. God, you're late, but God is always on time. God's timing is perfect. He is never late. He's never early. He's always on time. It just doesn't look like it to me at the time. But the last part of that verse that I just read says, he has put eternity in our hearts, and yet we can't fathom what God is doing from beginning to end. We all know that God has placed in our hearts this longing for eternity. We know we're not just here on this earth for a few short years and that's it and it's over and, and there's no meaning. No, every one of us knows that we have meaning because God has placed eternity in our hearts. But the problem is we can't grasp eternity, we can't understand it, and God, for you see, is eternal. And he's not confined by time. He operates outside of time and space, so he's in the past, present, and future all at the same time, so he's already in the future, so he knows how it turns out. He has an eternal perspective. The problem is we just see the here and now, and in the here and now, some things look really ugly. And God says, no, if you could see it from my point of view, an eternal picture, you could see the beauty that's coming. You just can't see it right now, so you've gotta trust me. You see, God doesn't operate on central standard time. He doesn't operate on eastern standard time. He operates on eternal standard time. And I have to synchronize my heart to God's time so that I can experience what he's made me for. And I can seize the moment that he's placed me in. Now, delays never destroy God's plan. Don't ever forget that. The waiting room of life is part of what God allows us to go through. That's what he's always done. That's the way God has always operated. He lets the moments make you if we stay in the moment. If we move ahead, we miss the blessing. That's the way God has worked all through scripture. God called Noah to build a boat that would save his family 
from a great flood, but it didn't rain for 120 years. He had to wait. And while he was waiting, he got called a fool. Abraham was called to be the father of a great nation, but he had to wait until he was 99 before he had his first child. Joseph, he was called to be this great leader. He had a dream from God. He was gonna be a great ruler that would save his family and all the nation from famine. But what happens? He gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused, thrown into prison for years waiting before God lifts him up to be the great ruler. Moses was called to lead his people out of slavery in Egypt, but then God sends him into the desert for 40 years where he has to wait. Jesus Christ, even Jesus Christ, had to wait 30 years in a carpentry shop before he started his earthly ministry. So if even Jesus had to wait, don't think that something strange is happening to you when you're in the waiting room of life. Those delays aren't denials. For those of you who are parents, you get this because sometimes you tell your kids, not yet. I want that dessert, not yet. You eat your food first, not yet. You're not saying no. There's a big difference between no and not yet. And sometimes God says not yet, but we think he's saying no. And God says, no, it's coming, just not yet. Wait for me. Wait for what I'm going to give you. Stay in the moment so you can seize the moment. I want you to look at this next passage that God has for us because he made everything beautiful in his time. But Isaiah 40, 31 says, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. So what do I do when I'm in the waiting room of life? Two things, you'll write these down. First, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Then secondly, expect God to come through. If you'll wait on the Lord expecting him to come through, then he's gonna lift you up to soar. But if you walk ahead of God in those moments, the blessing will come where you used to be. If you walk ahead of God, you're gonna get worn out. If you wait for God, he's gonna lift you up. And some of you are in that waiting room right now and he's getting ready to come through. You need to stay in this moment. There's beauty in this moment. You can't go back to the past and change it and you can't go forward and solve the things you're worried about. So all you can do is stay in the moment and trust God and then expect God to come through. Then thirdly, seize the moment. Seize the moment. You remember Queen Esther? She was the Jew that was picked to be the queen by the king of Persia. You see, the Jews were a minority in Persia, but the king saw her beauty, picked her out to be the queen. And then there was a plot to kill all the Jews in Persia. The king didn't know about it. Mordecai, Esther's uncle, heard about it. He came to Esther and he says this to her in Esther 4.14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. He comes to Esther and says, hey, you need to go tell the king right now that there's a plot to kill all the Jews. We're all gonna be wiped out. You need to go tell the king and stop this. And she says, but I can't. Because if you walk into the king's chamber and he hasn't summoned you, you're to be executed. That's what would happen. The king had to summon everyone, even the queen. If the queen walked into his chamber without being summoned, unless he raised his scepter to show favor, they were taken out immediately and executed. And so she said, Mordecai, you don't understand how it works around here. I'm the queen, but it doesn't matter. The way this thing works, I can't even go into the king's chamber. I can't even go in there or I'll be executed. 
And he says, well, you have no choice. You gotta take that risk because it's the right thing to do at this right moment. And he said, and who knows, maybe the whole reason why God allowed you to be queen is for this one moment. You miss this moment, you miss your life. You see, I believe that in every life there are three or four defining moments. You were made for this moment in time, but God also is making you for your defining moments. And you gotta seize them. You've got to take the risk, step out, and you've got to seize those defining moments to do the right thing, whether it feels right or not, to do the right thing, whether you're the only one, to step out, and that's what she did. She went in to the king, and he raised his scepter, and she told him of the plot, and then it was stopped, and she saved the nation. She saved the Jewish nation, and so God used her in that defining moment. And, and I wanna say to you, maybe the whole reason why God has blessed your business is for such a time as this. So you can be someone who makes a difference in the lives of others. Do you ever think of that? You're blessed to be a blessing? Maybe the whole reason God puts you in that workplace that you've been complaining about and you've been saying, hey, God, I wish I could get a job with a lot of Christians because these people are heathens around here. I mean, it's just bad. They don't love you, Jesus. I mean, it's a bad place to work. They don't notice how great I am, and they're awful. They're just sinners. Jesus, save me from this place. Did you ever stop to think that maybe the whole reason why God allowed you to be right in that place is because you're the only Jesus they're gonna see? What about why God allowed you and gave you that house that you're in? Could it be it's because of the person that lives next to you? He said, not my neighbor, I'm there terrible. I mean, uh, oh my goodness. My neighbors, they turn me into the association every other week, they're horrible. They're horrible. Can't stand them. God, just try to avoid them. Maybe the whole reason God's placed you there is so that you can be Christ's love to them or maybe that's what they're thinking. God wanted you give me those neighbors. They're terrible. And maybe they're Christians. You just don't know it. And you need to, and they're, they're there to minister to you. Who knows? Maybe God just placed you there to rub off all the rough edges of your character. They're your heavenly sandpaper. I don't know. But I know this. God has put you there for such a time as this. Maybe God has placed you in this position of influence for such a time as this, to be a light of Christ. Maybe God has brought you to Woodlands Church for such a time as this. I can tell you, if he's brought you to this church, you've been coming to this church, then you're here for such a time as this. What that means is we need you. The church needs you to be part of the body of Christ. Well, that's a big church. I don't know if you need me. Yes, if God brought you here. That means this church needs you. God led you here because we need every part of the body to be functioning. God wants your gifts and abilities and talents. God needs you here. He doesn't really need any of us, but he chooses to use us. And this church needs you for it to be the church that it needs to be. And you need to join. We have our membership class next week, and it's time for you to get off the sidelines and get in the game and seize the moment that God has placed you in. December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks boarded a city bus in Montgomery, Alabama after a long and tiring day of work. She sat down, finally relaxed, but soon the front of the bus was filled and when a white man stepped onto the bus at the next bus stop, the bus driver looked right at Rosa Parks 
and he told her to stand up, give up her seat, and go to the back of the bus for one reason only, the color of her skin. But folks, Rosa Parks was tired. She was tired of the treatment that she and other African-Americans received on a daily basis because of racism that fueled segregation and the Jim Crow laws of the day. And so Rosa Parks quietly and confidently just remained seated. She sat down for what was right, and the rest is history, American history. Rosa Parks' arrest, the trial, and the 381-day Montgomery bus boycott that followed attracted the attention of a young pastor by the name of Martin Luther King Jr., and it started the whole civil rights movement, which did away with things like segregation on city buses and treating a whole group of Americans like second-class citizens. But I think about Rosa Parks on that December 1st, 1955. Did she wake up in the morning and think, today I'm gonna change the history of this nation. Today is my defining moment. I'm an extraordinary woman, and I'm gonna do something extraordinary. No, she was just an ordinary woman. She was just ready for her defining moment. All of those little moments had made her ready for her defining moment, so she didn't do anything really different in that moment other than stay true to her convictions that God had made every person equal in his eyes with the same value in his eyes, and so she just sat down for what was right. She was just an ordinary woman who just had built those convictions over the years and then just acted on her convictions. And I think we're all ordinary, really, but we have an extraordinary God. But you'll miss your defining moment unless you take advantage of all the little moments beforehand to build your conviction, to build your character so you're ready to either stand up or to sit down for what's right. So you're ready to step out or to step back whatever God's calling you to do. God is calling us as a church to a whole new level of reaching out to make a difference in this world. Some people say you can't make a difference in this world. No, I can't, you can't, but together with God's power, we can make a difference. A big church makes a big difference when we get our eyes off ourselves and onto God, to follow him with all of our hearts, and that's what God's doing here, and he's called each and every one of us to step into our defining moment. I don't know what it is for you, but I know you're here for such a time as this. The reason God has led you here to this church is because he wants you to be a part of what he's doing here. You know, I think about when we get to heaven and God says, why didn't you be all that I called you to be? I gave you time, I gave you talents, I gave you resources, I gave you opportunities. I even led you to Woodland Church, a church that was doing crazy things for me. They had a nutty, bald pastor that kept challenging you to step out in faith. And I even put you there, and you still didn't step out. Why did you waste what I gave you? You see, I want you to be ready for the final exam, Woodlands Church. And on the final exam, on the final day, when we go meet God, he's gonna ask us two things. First, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Did you receive him into your life? I made a way for you. And if you received Christ, he's gonna ask you a second question. What did you do with your one and only life to make a difference? Did you use any of your time, talent, or treasure to bring other people to heaven with you to make a difference in lives, or did you waste it? 
Let's bow together. Dear God, I pray right now for everyone within the sound of my voice that you would help us take a step of faith, whatever it is, to seize the moment that you place before us, that we would let it slip by. And Lord, I pray that we would stay in the moment, no matter what it is that we're going through that you have us in. Maybe it's a moment that feels painful or looks ugly to us, but Lord, we know that you're gonna come through and make something beautiful out of it. I pray for all those who are in pain right now, who are hurting deeply, that you would just show them, you know where they're at and you've got a plan. And that delay doesn't destroy your plan. And then, Lord, I pray for those who haven't received you that right now they would just pray this prayer in this defining moment. Jesus Christ, save me. I'm tired of trying to save myself and control everything. I'm not God and you are. And I give up and ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Be the Lord of my life and take me to heaven one day. And then, Lord, I pray for every person here every person within the sound of my voice, that you want them to take that next step, whatever it is. Maybe it's joining the church. Maybe it's, Lord, stepping out to be a, a, someone who shares you with their neighbor. Maybe it's to be a light at the workplace. Maybe it's to start putting you first, Lord, in their finances. Maybe it's to use the gift or talent they have for your glory. Whatever it is, Lord, help us seize the moment for your glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord for who he is. Let's praise him. And then this is the time we give back to him, and we give because we want to, we love him. And as you give, just ask him, God, give back to me more than I give, because he promises he'll do that as you plant. And, and then also pray he'll multiply. We're stepping out in faith more than ever at Woodland Church, and it's so exciting to see all that God is doing. We're raising up the poor and powerless. We're raising up the next generation. And then we're getting the gospel of hope around the world next door and around the world. It's amazing what God is doing. I just praise God for how he's working through each and every one of you. And I really encourage you, pick a way to give and be consistent with it this fall and because it really is just a discipline. Give online or give through our push pay app on your phone or give by check, but just make sure that it becomes a habit. That's what it's all about. It's a habit that highly effective Christians have. And it's something you just have to develop. So step out in faith. Start it today if you haven't, and all those of you who do, you know what a blessing it is. Lord, bless our giving. We thank you that our eternity is secure in you, Jesus Christ, and we can just trust you with everything, even our finances, and I pray that you would bless our giving, multiply it, Lord, and use it, and I pray for everyone giving that you'd bless them beyond measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, yeah, yeah, great job, guys. Hey, next weekend, Chris and I will be speaking, starting the new series, Soul Safari, hunting for hope in a jungle of stress, and we're going to have Family Safari Weekend. It's going to be amazing. Bring friends. Don't miss it. Next weekend, August 24th and 25th. And then just remember, you wait for God because he's coming through for you, and you will soar on wings as eagles. One day we'll fly away, but we can soar here on this earth. God bless you. Hey, let's sing that again. Do you want to before we go? One more time, guys. Let's do it. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.